Jazzcast Pros. Greetings. Welcome to Father Torch, the podcast to help you, the new and renewed father, cope with the anxiety and stress of fatherhood so that you can be the dad you wish you had. I'm your host, Ra, founder of Abimelech Foundation, an artist and a father of nine. My mission is to help you reclaim your power and ease your concerns about being a father in today's social climate. I have, I have two guests today, uh, two important guests. One is Carl Finger, the podcast survivor in depression. And I have Joel Lesser. He's another podcaster of Unrevealing Religion podcast. I want to ask just one more question. Do men struggle the same way as women when it comes to depression? To my brothers, are you working harder than usual? Do you find yourself stressed? Or you just simply need a rest? Where you can unwind and have an opening discussion of well-being, self-care, or simply just being a man in today's world. And join me on November 12th at the Charleston House, 120 East Avenue, where you can take off that professional hat, have a sip or two, maybe a puff, cigar, of course, I'm your host, Ra, at the Father Torch Podcast, where we advocate for the fathers mentally, physically, emotionally. Being a father is rough and it's hard, but it's even harder when you don't have self-care. So come on down to Charleston House, November 12th, Father Torch, be the dad you wish you had. I, you know, I'm a huge advocate for mental health and depression in men in general. So I draw you two brothers here, you two fathers and men to better discuss and better to have these conversations about depression, especially in our men and our fathers and eliminate the taboo and dismiss these myths of what depression looks like, what it sounds like, the symptoms, the everyday Building that bridge, that healing bridge, right? That bridge of non-judgment and yeah. the bridge of being human. Like, yeah. it's okay, man. You know, if you feel pain, you can say, ouch, right? Yeah. You can exactly. say it. You yeah. know what I mean? You can express that. It doesn't yeah. make you weak. You remember those old Western movies? You know, <laughs> you couldn't shed a tear. And, yeah. uh, you know, you had to be the roughest, toughest shootings, you know, <laughs> SOB <laughs> yes. ever lived, right? And the thing is, yep. you could have shed a tear because your tear would cost, a, would cost you to have a bullet pass you, you yep. know? And it's like, that mentality, <laughs> that whole persona of what a man yep. is, is so false. John Wayne. And John Wayne, Clint Wood. I mean, you, <laughs> you name but it. But you know what, though? And here's the thing. This is what frustrates me. This is a pretty sensitive topic, but like the rap music, like I, I love like some old school rap and even some newer stuff too. Uh-huh. But here's the issue is it's encouraging around using drugs. It, it's not encouraging around getting help for mental health. You know, it's encouraging around a lifestyle of indulgence and a lifestyle of you need to be tough. Mm-hmm. You need to be tough. And the only emotion that's healthy to express as a male is anger. Mm. Acted out in violence. 
And that's not a healthy message. And as I get older, you know, when I have kids, I'm just thinking like, let's just say there was no rap music. And it's not to say that other music isn't bad, but I'm just specifically saying rap music. Imagine if you just told your kids over and over again, the messages that we're hearing in rap music. And why is it so popular? Why is it selling so much? And look at what population is selling amongst the most. And over and over again, you're hearing, you're hearing about not getting into your feelings like females and, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be this way. You got to be a man and tough this way. And the message it's sending and the message that men are listening to over and over and over again in their cars uh, when they work out is a message of this toxic masculinity, you know, of not loving women or treating them well. And it's a sad thing that I see that I think you can separate talent from the message, which is what I try to often do is like, I realize the lyrics aren't the most uplifting, but this person is truly gifted in what they're doing. Yeah. But what message is it sending to the kids growing up with it? And what message is it sending to the men who hold to this, hold to these things like it's philosophy and life? And they're not looking at it as I can just listen to it and go away. They're like molding their entire mental health and lifestyle around these celebrities who have every resource possible. You know, (laughs) that is that is a very, very big topic. I mean, right now, we are scratching the surface on it. And a lot of times, a lot of these artists are very talented. However, they won't make a living or can't make money. If they speak on positivity, right, or or the truth of who they really are, and yeah. that's always a genre. It's the same thing as you know leaders of the community or people who are you know who want to help even even men such as yourself, you know, because you're not speaking ill or speaking wicked of someone else or even of your own experience, you know, you looked at as well, you are I, but you know, you're still a punk, right? Because you're still a punk because you're expressing emotions that we are not, that we are told, we are told not to express because it's not manly. It's not, uh, it's of the cold, right? You got to be a tough SOB to go through things because everything results in your, your strength and um, overall power as a man to be able to handle things and not shed a tear, right? And you got to set example for the people around you because you got to hold up a status, a like, if you will, right? And um, even people who are doing this, who are singing, the talented artists who are being about it, they themselves are trapped in their own depression, their own trauma, right? It's just that in front of that camera, I am the happiest person, but off that camera, I'm trying to dose myself. I'm trying to get the highest. I'm trying to escape. So much of them, so much of them die each year. So much of them die each year or even weekly that we don't hear about, but we hear the music and we thinking, man, this guy is off the wall, but he's really telling you I am jacked up and I need help, but no one will listen Yeah, because because again, 
I'm not listening to the pain. I'm thinking, oh man, that beat is rough. And you hear what he's saying? Oh man, that's a sick individual. Yo, I want to be like him. But not realizing he's telling you he is in pain. That cry, he is in pain. But he can't say, I'm in pain. I got to say, I break a dude's neck and I step on his mother and I kill his dog. And no one would read the message of that, that I am struggling. And these are the thoughts that I'm having. But like just in my own exploration of trying to understand why, like this is what it is. So what the question becomes, why is it this way? And um, I I feel like, you know, weed or drinking or rap, it speaks to to people in a certain way that it's ways of like coping with like impossible situations, right? And that's why it sells. And that's why it's, that's why it all sells, you know? And so I think one of the important things about Rob, what you're doing and Carl, what you offer and what I try attempt to do is like giving people more options to, to just look, explore, expand the conversation and say, there may be elements of truth in that, that resonate with people, but like, what else, what, what can we do? How can we do it better? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I just think of like, I think it was called Spiritual Depression, and it was written by Martin Lloyd-Jones. I believe he was a psychiatrist who later became a Christian, but he wrote this book called Spiritual Depression. And one of the things he says in the book starting off is essentially we're always talking to ourselves throughout the day. Like, have you just stopped to listen to yourself? Like you're talking to yourself every single day. Now, couple that with what are you consuming? What are you listening to? And if the messages that you're listening to are negative and, you know, not uplifting for you or other people, over time, it starts to shape your mind in a way that's almost impossible to get out of this mindset because that this is all you're listening to, all you're listening to. And let's, let's just remove like music and you just have your own negative thoughts that you're dealing with and you're not trying to put them in check. You're just continuing to just live in this just pool of negativity and, and no one's lifting you up. And with the, there's another analogy. I think it was, um, Martin Luther said this a while back on, I think I'm getting this right where he says, essentially, you can't stop a crow from flying over your head, but you can stop it from making a nest in your hair. And so <laughs> if, you, yes. if all you're like, if you're having negative thoughts and all these influences around you are not good for you, can't necessarily stop them around you, but you do have a certain measure of power to stop how deeply embedded it can get. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, but that's utterly true. I want to ask just one more question. Do men struggle the same way as women when it comes to depression? I think it's the same and it's different. I think it's similar, but it's like, it's, and it goes back to that reason that maybe we talked about before, which is that women are more readily available to each other to listen and to support and to, Mm -hmm. no matter what's, they'll talk about whatever, whenever, if it's on their mind and heart, men, because of the armor that we have and the 
kind of like uh, needing to shoulder the responsibilities of what it is to be masculine, the man in, mm-hmm. in the world today. I think it's a little bit trickier to break through that armor. There's a documentary called Crazy Wise, which is about indigenous views of mental health. Mm-hmm. And indigenous views of mental health, things like depression or even hearing voices or even what what we call in in the biomedical model, psychosis, break from reality, these are all markers of a sensitivity. Like someone has a sensitivity to spiritual things and it's a mark of a shaman, of a teacher, of a leader, of a healer. And because in, in indigenous communities it is nurtured and supported and the narrative is given, you have a gift of sensitivity, let us together as a community work with you through this you know, two-thirds in Africa and India, two-thirds of individuals with schizophrenia heal. Two-thirds. In the West, with all our pharmacopoeia medications and, and whatever else we think we're figuring out by addressing just the mind in isolation, it's one-third. So, wow. um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not that we're so advanced. In some ways, we've gotten too sophisticated to remember that it's just we're all human beings and we need one another. You know what I mean? Mm. Wow. That's powerful. That is, that's powerful, man. <laughs> wow, one third compared to the compared to two third. That's a good point, though, because um, one of the things I continue to just say to people is like, find out what your gift is in the depression and try to use that in spite of the depression. You know what I mean? Or use it as like fuel to use your gift. And I know that's hard. You know, just speaking from personal experiences, I would I would try to like write poems or uh, just like in my journal and it would be really dark. But it kind of helped me because it was like, well, this is a one good thing that you can do. So do it, do it well and do it as um, as fervently as possible, because Mm -hmm. this thing is bearing down on you and it could actually fuel you to to write harder and more passionately than ever, you know. That's a good a good method. But in today's today's modern world, right, we have shorter attention span and uh, a lot of distractions. And we don't we especially men nowadays don't have the patience to write out their thoughts because of instant gratification. So what can you suggest for you know, such an individual who don't have an artistic ability or even a mindset to sit down and say, let me quiet the mind to, you know, write something out or draw something out or escape or connect. Well, if I could just offer this, I really feel like regardless of whether someone's an artist mm-hmm. or whatever it is, however you're built, you're built and I think Carl, you would agree with me on this, and Raw, you probably would too. But like that, we're each built with a specific gift. Our f- we have to figure out what that gift is, and then how to express it to, to others. So that how do you know what your gift is? What do you lose track of time doing? It's pretty much that simple. When you're in that flow, in that space, doing what you love, and it doesn't have to be art. It doesn't have to be poetry. It can be. It can be singing or dancing or it could be anything. But when you're losing track of time doing that, mm-hmm. or that that's pointing to something that's that is sort of like 
something you want to cultivate because that may be in alignment with your purpose. Right. I 100% agree. And I think everyone on this planet is gifted. You know, and Joel is just saying, like, what is that gift? Because we all are gifted. We all are talented. We all have something to offer. And it pains me when I see so much uh, talent and gifts being wasted uh, mm-hmm. because people haven't figured out what their gifts or work provided the opportunities to figure out what their giftings were or were in a nurturing enough environment mm-hmm. to bring those out of them. One, one additional thing I would suggest is to get out in the wilderness. And you know what? Amongst black and brown people, the woods are looked down upon. Being out in nature is looked down upon. It's looked down upon as, oh, that's just something white people do. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with minorities where I'm like, you know, I was out in the woods. I worked with the Department of Environmental Conservation for two months and I was like in the woods. And those were some of my best experiences of being a human being was being out in the woods. And then people, you know, because of uh, the lack of experience of being in the woods, you know, some minorities, specifically black people that I've talked to, but all oh, it is bears out there, what I'm going to do in the woods, you know, just kind of clowning it or whatever. Right. And, you know, in my experience of working with like inner city, some of the inner city kids that would come along with some of the white kids, you know, the white kids are ready to enjoy it and have fun. And then, you know, you get a couple of uh, blacks and Hispanics to come in and they're kind of terrified mm-hmm. who haven't had that experience yet. And I'm like, listen to me. I said, listen to me. Just give it two days. And if you don't like it, I will personally take you home. Give mm-hmm. it two days. And every single time, every single time, all those kids were like, we love it. We don't want to go home. <laughs> I try to stress is listen, nature is for all people. Nature mm-hmm. is for humanity. Nature is a way that we could connect with God and with ourselves because there's so much natural beauty on display. And kind of to go back to Joel's point, if you're in a place like nature and you can think about something that you would rather be doing instead of being in nature, or you lose track of time doing that specific thing while you're out in nature, like that's your gift. That's something you should probably start moving towards. And I think wilderness disconnects us from all these distractions that you mentioned, Ra. If you're out in the woods, your cell phone reception is not going to be great. Mm -hmm. And you're going to, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to hear this blaring of birds singing. Yeah. And you're going to wake up to this beautiful canopy of trees and like all this beautiful stuff that you, and the air is going to be so crisp and fresh because all the pollution is mostly gone. Yeah. You know, and so I would say get out in nature for about a week or two and that'll probably change your perspective on a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I I firmly believe that getting away from your surroundings every now and then helps that mental Helps that mental health, you know, gain the recharge or, or, or re, you know, we, um, we look at things differently. Your perspective, your, your, your view becomes humbling, if you will. And, um, it, it, you, you kind of answered my question because I was going to ask that is depression different based on social groups, race, 
or even uh, ethnicity? Is it different or greater from more than the versus the other? I mean, give a, given that we're living in an oppressive capitalism, you name it, kind of a world or a city or state, does those things consider a factor in your depression? You could possibly be open to it or more prone to it, given your environment. Like if you're exposed to a very terrible diet and pollutants and, you know, violence, you're going to be more likely to experience trauma and depression. But I think like once you have a form of depression, I don't think it discriminates. You know what I mean? Like even... Like there may be some differences between men and women in a sense of, um, you know, maybe how severe the symptoms are right away and and how it happens through hormones versus, you know, all these other things. There may be some like differences in the onset and things like that. But as far as from who I've talked with, it doesn't really seem like the symptoms and the awfulness of it, like at its fullest extent, it's, it's any different. Like it's awful for everybody. You know, what do you think, Joe? I mean, I, I'm the least qualified because, um, <laughs> you know, talk about this, but if I had to assess what I see, not my direct experience, but I think, um, being black in America, being Brown in America, it, it lends itself to a lot more stress, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lends itself to depression. So, I mean, without, I, I just think that from what I see, you know, I see a predominant number of when I see a police car um, going here, but like seeing a police car so often, it just seems like things like racial profiling. And uh, just there's a whole host of things that we could get into probably for another time. But um, I think definitely that um, stress, the stress of being black in America or brown in America definitely increases the probability and possibility that you're going to experience depression for sure. Hey, if you're enjoying this episode, check out Living the Front Seat Life podcast. That's my podcast. I'm Coach Kelly Marie. I talk all about my journey as a Black woman living with mental illnesses. I have great guests. We talk about everything from food, being medicinal, how to set boundaries, how to say no, how to get therapy, and how to talk to your family and friends about mental health. I'm Living the Front Seat Live podcast. You can find us on the JazzCast Pros Network and we're listening to this podcast right now. Be the light. If you're enjoying this episode, check out Healthy Illness Podcast with me, Kelly Marie, as we build healthy relationships while living with mental health conditions. I'm diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, although that's up for debate generalized anxiety, and major depression. And even though I live with these mental health conditions, I have great relationships, I have a wonderful career, and it's my mission to help you do the same thing. So join me for Healthy Illness Podcast, new episodes every Monday on the Cast Pros Network found on the podcast player you're listening to right now. Be the light. I'm strictly um, passionate about this not only because I'm a huge advocate of 
mental health and depression, and especially, but I'm a stronger advocate for fatherhood. And there's a lot of fathers who struggle with depression and not knowing that they struggle with it. Yeah. I, I would like to get, you know, you guys view on this. Fathers who may be struggling with depression and they do things or they react to things or they are responding to what they think is right and wrong in this state of mind. We hear the, the talks, you know, I think this guy is crazy or he's stupid or he does the dumbest stuff and what kind of man does this or, you know, things of that things. I was like, Lord, why me? I thought he was a good guy, but he's kind of, you know, he's mm-hmm. loose up there and, and, you know, I don't know what to do because I'm not a therapist, right? And it's like, he could be struggling with some things that he himself don't even know or has not been diagnosed, right? Um, but he's struggling. And so how can someone, the everyday father, know that they are dealing with depression? What are some of the symptoms or, or signs? Yeah, I think um, I typically say to people like, um, I, I believe it's to meet a clinical diagnosis for depression. You have to at least have the two symptoms of uh, depressed mood and um not enjoying things that you normally enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I think if you have those, you have to at least have those two symptoms before you can get clinically diagnosed with depression. And so, you know, if someone's going throughout their day and they're just like, man, I just like, they're not, I don't think they're necessarily going to be able to articulate it like this. Yeah. But to be able to just kind of ask someone or, to have a father ask himself, hey, are there things that you used to enjoy, let's say, in the past three months or six months that you don't enjoy anymore? And the reason I say that is because um, I think what some people don't, uh, some people might think is like, you don't enjoy things you used to do. They might think, oh, well, when I was in my 20s, I used to enjoy clubbing. Now I don't enjoy it. I was like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about like, I used to like watching Monday Night Football. I used to love watching the Bills. You was you used to look forward to the Bills playing the Chiefs because you know Josh Allen was going to light them up. You know, but now you don't look up. You don't look forward to that anymore. What's going on? You know, you used to look you used to look forward to going out and having you know wings or beer with your friends, but you kind of haven't been going out lately. What's going on? So if a guy, a father can be like, listen, I used to love doing this with my kids. I used to love, uh, you know, talking to my wife over coffee. If you, you stopped enjoying things that you used to, but now you're also just considerably sad or there's like a mild fog or darkness over your day that you just can't shake. Those are two signs that you could be falling into a depression and you should seek help. That made absolute sense. Right? I, I mean, I didn't think of it that way, but yeah, that makes absolute sense. Joe? What Carl stated was, you know, that's pretty much it. It's like, you know, are you anxious? Are you, do you have changes in sleep or eating, feeling irritable? Um, mm. People may be so used to their circumstances that, they don't even realize, right? Like they don't even realize. And those are the people that I'd like to like um, offer some sort of assistance and in, in recognizing that it doesn't have to be that you don't. Life can be full of passion. Life can be enjoyable. 
Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah. Indeed. Indeed. I. I would like to thank you, brothers. Thank you, guys. Uh, you know, for your input and intake of this. I mean, believe it or not, you guys are my first interview, our first um, partner podcasting <laughs> on yeah. my podcast. And uh, oftentimes, depression is misdiagnosed, mistreated, or just never, you know, a consideration of depression is a factor. Uh, especially in black and brown men in the communities, in the poverty communities, but even this in life in general are often overlooked. Not because only because of, um, certain, um, environments and accesses to, um, knowledge, but there's also culturally and, uh, and family tabooed discussion of depression like mental health is not something always discussed or addressed. In fact, is oftentimes destructive and handled in the most inhumane ways to the to the degree of uh, parenting or even just caregivers. We as parents, as men, as fathers, as mothers, as women, need to address the situations dealing with emotional intelligence as well as our spiritual, physical, and mental. The the sense of balance or balancing is important. Like my guests, Carl and Joe, have spoken on and have given their thoughts of how this affects us and how this is something that is not tabooed or not easy to swallow, the truth, and understanding that although depression has its normalcy and its um, degree in life, is when you stay in that position and you become consumed with it, because we all know the opposite of depression is anger. And this is what we see nowadays, especially since the pandemic, especially since the, all the traumas and trials and tribulations which are being presented and feeding off their emotions, which is damage. We see the outcome of this. We see our youth killing each other. We see fathers against fathers, child against father. We see fathers against mothers. All these things are stemming not only from one particular thing, but depression has its hand in it. And it's important for us, especially as men, to address this in a way that is realistic, sensible, and within love and care. So I'd like to thank my guests for showing, for coming and, and giving the understanding of depression. Again, thank you, Carl. Thank you, uh, Joe. Thanks for having me. You got to send, I'll give you the address to send a check for the counseling session. <laughs> 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 do you do you want it in bitcoins or you want it in change? My, my my wife uh my wife on Facebook posted like I'm so thankful to be married to a therapist and all these free sessions and it's like I don't know what you thought like you, you get in charge you just don't know it like you get in charge I'm, I'm getting them payments you know but you know just other currencies right right exactly you know <laughs> that is that is so true I get that all the time like Rock could come and talk to you. I said, you know, it's gonna, you're going to have to pay for this, right? You, right. right <laughs> this right. ain't free, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carl, That's it was really nice meeting you, Carl. You wow. too, Joel, man. You you are just a very welcoming, I can almost just tell instantly when um, someone's just a kind, welcoming, uh, good-hearted healer and person, man, and uh, just your, your persona 
I'm just like, I, I feel at home. I'm like, man, I feel like he, he gets me and, and just what a great, not even seeing you in person. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, you're speaking on that. I have to say November 12th, right before the fall is an event that I'm holding at the Charleston house, um, in Rochester, New York. I, I invited you as well too, Carl. Joe will be there. So this would be a great opportunity to, to, to meet in person as well. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. For a lot of fathers to come down and join, you know, take okay. your working caps off, come yep. and join us and be the man for that time, you know, be yep. a man, I should say, for that time. Take your cap off, relax yourself, have a sip, smoke a cigar, whatever it may be. But nonetheless, as long as you're not self-medicating, you should be fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> sounds great, man. It sounds I, great. I tell you, you guys going to have a great time. Come and join. Come and come out. I mean, it's a Charleston House is a wonderful place. Nice spot. Great atmosphere. Great food, too. And food is nice. I and like I. I like the Charleston wings. I'm a, I'm a wing man. I can't help it. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> I think you convinced me, man. <laughs> well, I know I know Joe be coming out of Buffalo, and I know they got yeah. the you know the wing kings out there. Oh but yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Rochester, not You're gonna come into Rochester, see what you got. So. <laughs> yeah, listen, listen, Joe, Joe, temper your expectations, brother. Because <laughs> I listen, I've I've lived around Buffalo. I've been there, and in Rochester's not touching Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's when, good, though. When you it's get good. to the Charleston house, my mm-hmm. good sir, yep. you can try the Charleston wings and make your mind from Okay, there. okay. That sounds great. Bro. Sounds great, man. And join me for the next episode. Sunday, streaming live on your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Enjoy and be blessed. Father Torch out. Guidance. If you're enjoying this episode, check out High Vibe Table Talks, where we start to remove mental barriers and take action now so you can achieve your someday desires. I'm your host, Mershawn Hargrave, and if you've ever heard that little voice inside to go after something, but the fear around the unknown felt too big, this is the podcast for you. Listen and subscribe to High Vibe Table Talks on the Jazzcast Pros Network with the podcast listener you're using right now, because it is high time you activated your high vibes.